The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Extra point taken. Shield Kapadia here, joined by Ben Solak, coming off another Monday Night Football doubleheader. Is this our last of the season? I don't know, Ben, but the uh, God willing, God willing, uh, the Bengals beat the Rams, the Eagles beat the Bucks. We're gonna touch on those games. We're gonna get to the rest of the Week Three slate. What we saw, what stood out, big storylines, how we're feeling after Week Three. But first of all, how are you feeling, Benjamin Solak? I'm in. Football, pretty good. Here we are in the swing of things. Three weeks, you start to finally get to be like, okay, this team is is kind of like this. All right, that team's kind of like that. You see them against a couple defenses. You get an up, you get a down. It's a little bit easier to calibrate, I think, to where everybody is. Like, Jaguars have lost two. The Bucks have lost one. The Rams are one and two. Like that, the teams are like we're we're figuring things out a little bit more than than we did previously. Maybe. We'll see. That leads me to my first take here. Uh, We got the Bengals winning, like I said, over the Rams. Joe Burrow plays with the calf injury. My take, first take, I'm not giving up on this Bengals team. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Shield, the way they played that game, come on, that's not sustainable. They eked out a win against the, the lowly Rams. They scored 19 points. Joe Burrow couldn't move. He just sat in shotgun. He couldn't escape pressure. Nothing under center. Uh, and this injury's not going anywhere. This wasn't like a one-time thing. He's going to be dealing with this for a while. There's truth to all of that. But to what you said there in the open, and I didn't tell you what my first take was going to be, Ben, I think we forget how long the season is. I mean, think about last year. The Bengals were 4-4 four and four After eight games last season, they go on a huge run. Uh, They're absolutely a legit Super Bowl contender by the time we get to the playoffs. The Jaguars were two and six. They finished nine and eight. The Steelers were two and six. They finished nine and eight. So I'm looking at this Bengals team. And listen, this might just be me telling myself a story. I'm curious to hear what what you think uh, in a minute here, because I picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl before the season. And I don't want to give up on the Bengals because I really like them watching them play football. I like watching Joe Burrow play football. But to me, 
This is about just like a week-to-week survival. This is almost like playing in the NCAA tournament here uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Like that's what it felt like against the Rams where Lou Anarumo, it's like, oh baby, Lou is breaking out the special stuff for this game in week three, huh? Oh my God, Matthew Stafford, his head is spinning one for 11 on third down, six sacks, two takeaways. I mean, they couldn't even drop back and pass the football in the fourth quarter of that game, except for the one, uh, one late drive they had there. So Going to need you, Lou Anarumo. Going to need you, Logan Wilson and uh, Trey Hendrickson and everybody else on that Bengals defense. Going to need you, Jamar Chase, to play like you did on Monday night. T. Higgins, going to need you to play better than you did uh, on Monday night. You're going to need all these pieces to kind of come together for them to just survive the first half of this season. And my hope is that by the time we get to December, we're seeing, ooh, Joe Burrow, okay, a little, little more under center. This week, ooh, did you see Joe Burrow escape that one uh, sack there in week 10? The calf, maybe it's feeling a little bit better. So to me, the scope of their season has changed. Like I thought they could be the number one seed in the AFC. That is no longer what I think. They're one and two. And like I said, barely won a game. But I do still think there's the possibility of like a 10 and seven season where they sneak into the playoffs, where they're getting, where they're peaking at the right time, where Joe Burrow's feeling healthier. And by the way, we'll give him credit. It, it's we, we take this stuff for granted, but like I can't imagine what the calf injury felt like. Me or you would probably say, let's delay the podcast this week. We're in pain. The guy goes out there, was not perfect, but does what he needs to do, make some nice throws. They scheme it up the way they need to, and they get a win. So uh, I'm not throwing him out yet. I'm still saying it's holding out some hope if you're a Bengals fan that maybe you weren't all encouraged by that win Monday night, but it's a long season. Let's just survive week to week and see where you are later in the season. Yeah, no, my my week, my three weekend prob- uh, comment was more about like the identity of teams, the character of teams. Like, okay, you all okay. thought like every team thought they got better in every single position and you could talk yourself into that in the offseason if you wanted to. You start to like think, realize like, okay, this unit actually is this problem. Oh, they actually did. Like these pieces do work for them. The For the Bengals, I, I will not count this Bengals team out until the bell rings because I did that in 2021 and they went on an insane postseason run. And I did that in 2022 and they fixed the offense halfway through the season. Like this team's just been good at at scraping it together, right? Uh, this is a very tough team. This team wins ball games, and I agree with you. Like yes. we were in a room last night, man. I mean, that's my boy. I I I, I continue to uh, have few individual games <laughs> every boy. season. Hit Big Lou. <laughs> Big Lou's has been has been a Ben a Big Lou's been under the Ben Solak umbrella for quite some time. I, I, I such an impressive defensive coordinator. There are few DC. There will be few games every year that impress me more from a defensive game planning perspective than the, some of the games that Lou Anarumo puts out on, on a yearly basis. And it's always against top ten quarterbacks, right? Like I I I haven't updated the stat in a bit, but during the 2022 season, if you took like lose games against like Herbert, MVP Rogers, Mahomes, Lamar, and like just like the best quarterbacks you can think of, Josh Allen, and it just averaged out their performances. They were like Mac Jones. Like they, his ability to take like and like Stafford's not an elite guy, but Stafford great start of the season through two weeks looking yeah, like he the was old looking Stafford, great. top ten quarterback, and set just Pumpkins them. Just everybody hits midnight when when they when they go against Lou when they're these elite quarterbacks and they're near elite quarterbacks on these runs. So I agree with you like Lou, the defense, the bones of the defense are still great. The 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 thing about the Bengals, like I know I just said I can calibrate to teams now. The Bengals I still can't calibrate to. Th- this is a, a ridiculous offense. It's an offensive offense, not in a good way. It's 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 an affront to the sport that that's just like all right, one step drop back and and 
immediate throw. Like they, Joe Burrow just so clearly cannot move. And it is great that toughness and when wanting to be out there with your boys, I'm, I'm so worried about him getting actually hurt long term. Like you can run this offense with a different quarterback. Like you, you can do like the kind of functionally the same stuff because like you're not maximizing Burrow's talent at all by running the offense like this. And you're risking that every time Aaron Donald gobbles him up, the calf gets worse. Like they like he retweeted it at the end of, of week two. I don't know why they feel so okay with him being out there just doing this. Like I would be, if I was Zach Taylor, like even talking about it now, my butt cheeks are clenched. I'd be on the sideline, just like every single hit, just like gritting my teeth, praying that he gets back up. I'm worried about his long-term health. If he's going to be playing at like 80, 85%, which I think is about where he's at for the foreseeable future. I just, I'm, I'm so scared that they're going to incur a real legitimate long-term injury that he has to sit for. And that's really going to cripple their season. Well, but is, is long-term long-term is beyond this season or long-term is this season? Because like season. if he sits, okay, but if he sits, then you're sitting him for what? Like how many games? Like a month? Six weeks, and you think when Jake Browning and Reed, like they can't run this offense with those guys. If they had a good backup, then maybe I would say, okay, yeah, maybe they could. They got Jake Browning and Reed Sinet as their backups, and we can, t- you know, take them to task for what are you doing going into the season with these guys right. as your backup quarterbacks. I think that's absolutely fair, but I still think like that was week one, you know, the first time he. I know he's been injured like previously in the season, but that was like a, a different level where it's like, no, 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 you have to play this exact way. Like maybe it takes some, all right, now I got used to it a little bit. Now what I, now I know what I have to do. Like, I think there's a possibility he comes out uh, next week and looks better. Like he's so accurate. He's so smart. Uh, he's decisive. He's got great instincts. Like, Obviously, they're not maximizing the Joe Burrow experience because they can't because the guy can't move. But uh I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that the other like the other options to me. The season's over if you sit him for like three weeks or something. I think so. Firstly, they have you said Jake Browning and Reed Senate. You're absolutely right. They had Trevor Simeon yeah. in camp, cut him, and he's a, a street free agent. I don't understand why he's not back. He's the one guy who has starting experience. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Wow, Trevor Simeon." But you can't tell yeah. me that that Simeon's not a better backup than Jake Browning and Reed Senate are. So there's that for number one. Number two is okay the framework that I was just using was he's out for a month. He's out for six weeks. And you say, but if they have to put Jake Browning out there for four weeks, like there, there's no way they're pulling this off. I agree with you. There's a different framework for long-term, which is the more than four weeks, the more than six week one. Like, I don't know how calves work, but uh, I think if, if Burrow gets hit and, and, and he's down, and he's got to get carted off the field. You breathe a sigh of relief on the next day when you learn he's only out for four weeks, only out for six weeks, because it could have been way worse. It could have been the season. You could have been rehabbing him in the summer. And so I, I like I just don't like seeing a player who is so clearly hurt playing this early in the season when like the 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 problem isn't fully solvable. The issue with his health isn't like a hundred percent solvable. Like you can't just plug Trevor Simeon in and go. It won't be a hundred percent the same, but it feels like you should be able to get Burrow on the bench for two weeks on the bench for three weeks, be two and four when he comes back and then say, all right, Joe, let's do the thing we always do. Let's go and, and finish and get real strong in November and beat some AFC contenders and make a push for the playoffs. Like, you just pay this guy $275 million, $255 million. You got to, I, I feel like, some more long-term vision in the room would be nice. Yeah, I mean, the the issue is with an injury like this, it's we, we can't speak in absolutes because, like, well, you just, I mean, he had, what, six weeks between when he injured the calf and week one and he re-injured it. So, like, 
you don't know how much better is he going to look like in two weeks in three. I'm with you. If there's like, and I will never give the NFL teams the benefit of the doubt with this stuff. Luckily with people like Joe Burrow, you have agents and other people in your corner who will be like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Like we have a long career ahead of us. So um, I know he's a gamer. I know obviously these guys always want to play and you're right. If there's like legitimate, Hey, long-term as in like beyond this year, type uh, damage you could do just based on this injury, then I would be with you. It seems to me like what would happen is he would re-injure it and yeah, he would be out for a while and your season would be sunk. But to me, if you sit him for whatever, three, four weeks, uh, I, I know you say still be two and four, like he might come back and he might re-injure it on the first possession and he might look like the same guy. So uh, I, there's no easy answer. Um, I'm fine if, if, Everyone in his corner says, no, it's okay. Uh, you can play. We'll figure it out. And if the team says it's okay uh, and he goes out there and we get this version of him and you just try to survive and you're doing treatment during the week and you see what it looks like three, four weeks from now, um, I think that to me is probably the best case scenario for the Bengals. But you're absolutely right. There is a worst case. There is a worst case uh, scenario here, which very well could be realized when you look at uh, how he looked on Monday night. All right, Benny Souls, hit me with your first take of the show. What do you got? Yeah, the second game in the doubleheader was Eagles-Bucks. Eagles win it 25-11 to in Scorigami, by the way. Weird game, rain at some point, interception into a safety. Good times are had by all. Can I say there's almost nothing I care about less than Scorigami? You're so and that's the lame, ground shield. You're that is so the ground lame. shield coming. That is the ground shield coming out. But anytime, I, I should mute this. I wish I could mute this in my life. I do not care. You can. At all. You can mute no, the Twitter in my account. life, in my life, like when you started talking, if in my life some wow. power came down and was like, <laughs> I can't even hear what he's saying right now. All right, sorry, go ahead. That was rude. I interrupted you. How many people talked to you about Scorigami live in person, not online? <laughs> this is maybe not the first- No, you, one. Yeah, but this is maybe the first time it's ever happened. Like, I wish you could just mute Ben, which is not good podcasting. <laughs> For All those right. who don't know, Scorigami is the <laughs> idea. It was uh, uh, piloted by John Boys, I believe. Uh, I might be wrong on that. Um, but Scorigami is the idea of identifying unique final scores in NFL games. And so when the Bucks game ends 25 to 11, you go to NFL history. Has any game ever ended 25 to 11? No. This is the first time a game's ended 25 to 11. Nobody like changes their life off of this. This is like revolutionary. She's like, oh, that's cool. And then that's it. I will say my editor... <laughs> does have a group chat with his friends, so they take a shot every time there's a Scorigami. So his life is affected by Scorigami. But generally, no one's life is like actually affected. Just like, oh, what a, what a, what a unique gizmo. What a quirk. How nice. Then you move on. So anyway. Oh, great. Now I'm not only offending you, now I'm offending other colleagues at the ring. Shield, just sometimes shut up and let him do his take. Tw- what yeah, doing? just let Sorry, people ahead. enjoy things. 25 to 11 <laughs> is the final score. My main takeaway is this. Um, we might be seeing a historic rushing team in the Philadelphia Eagles. Is, hmm. I don't know if you if you if you check the stats there, Shield. Uh, the Eagles right now are successful on fifty six point six percent of their rushes. I have from True Media. Uh, the next, the best single season mark since the two thousand since two thousand is the Chiefs at forty nine point nine. So they're currently a good. Ooh. They're currently a good six percentage points <laughs> above second place. Now this isn't going to continue, right? Uh, they they played. The Brian Flores, Minnesota Vikings, and the Todd Bowles, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, both of which were teams that wanted to blitz them and spin safeties and, and do a lot of chaotic stuff. And when you do chaotic stuff, you become a little bit liable in the box. It's, it's, a lot, it's, it's harder to be really sound against the run. You have a guy for every single gap, and he's playing the run. He's the correct size to play the run, so on and so forth. And against both teams, you saw the Eagles just 
decide to become a running team. DeAndre Swift uh, with back-to-back 130-yard rushing games. I saw from uh, Ruben Frank, who covers the Eagles, that uh, he already has... There are only three players in Eagles history who've had more 130 rushing yard games in a season. That's going to go down a little bit. But we have to remember last year in 2022... The Eagles had a 48% success rate rushing the football. That's sixth since 2000. Like, this team was just at the top. This team was just doing it about as well as it's been done previously, about as well as it's been done in history. This year, it feels like they're going to be a little bit more invested in the running game through three weeks because DeAndre Swift is giving them a lot more talent at running back than they got out of Miles Sanders, right? They didn't walk in with him as the starter, Kenny Gainwell injury. But through two weeks, you're at the point where you're like, all right, we legitimately earnestly need to talk about making uh, about making sure in the week that we have a game plan for DeAndre Swift. We have to make sure we, we have ways to get him activated, get the ball rolling in a way that I don't think they thought about Miles Sanders last season. So as long as that truth remains, and Jalen Hurts has not uh, necessarily had as good of a passing season as he had last season. I think they're relying on the running game a little bit more as they figure that out. I think you're going to see the Eagles continue to be more successful than not when they just hand the football off or they call an option run. This offensive line is not going away, man. I mean, like, it, it, they, they can incur injury, but they have great depth along the front. They have a, a offensive line coach in Jeff Stoutland, a head coach Nick Sirianni, who have worked together for a few years now, who know that they can trust one another, who know this offensive line can get them out of tight spots. They're going to continue to run the football. And in a modern NFL where, like, defenses are increasing are decreasingly investing in run defense, I think this train's going to keep rolling. So keep an eye on the Eagles' rushing game every single week because... I think this could end up being the best rushing attack that we've seen by success rate in this century. Yeah, every every draft season, like Howie Roseman or somebody in the building convinces like some national draft next that they're going to draft a running back in the first round. And I don't think that that will ever be the case. Uh, although I think, you know, the Christian McCaffrey year, uh, maybe, but I don't think that's going to be the case. However, last spring, I remember thinking like, oh man, like, I am, you know, I, I think listeners would know I'm pretty much in the bag for the whole positional value thing. But I was like, oh, man, it would be really interesting to see what this looked like with Bajan Robinson next to Jalen Hurts, this offensive line, this scheme. Because we talked about a li- this a little bit on the Ringers Philly special. Like you looked at Miles Sanders' numbers last year. And if you looked at it statistically, you would absolutely make the case he was a top eight top 10 back if you just look at efficiency, all the nerd stats, basically. I don't need to go over all of them. But anyone who watched the film or watched the games, you were never really like, wow, Miles Sanders is amazing. He's the thing that's making this whole thing go. There was always that part of you that was like, what if they got a more dynamic back in there? And so even Kenny Gainwell, previously in his career with the Eagles, again, efficiency stats were off the chart, but you were like, well, is that Kenny Gainwell or is that the offensive line, Jalen Hurts, the scheme, uh, all the other stuff? And now DeAndre Swift, like DeAndre Swift is not a top 10 most talented back in the NFL, but he's more talented than those other guys. And he's already got three runs of 20 plus yards. I mean, he looks explosive. He's seeing, you're not seeing the stuff where, oh, he dances around too much. He doesn't go where the play uh, is designed to go. Like he's going where the play is designed to go. And then he's making someone miss. And all of a sudden that eight, nine yard run from last year is turning into like a 25 yard run. So yeah, it's not even just the efficiency. I feel like it's the explosiveness too uh, with this Eagles offense. And you look at all the overall offensive metrics, even though the passing game has not kind of hit its stride 
yet. They're still up there in basically all of them because they're running the ball at a clip that's way more efficient than any other team in the NFL. So I think that's a good one. They have this luxury that they can just lean on and, hey, the passing game's not working. Well, you know what? Let's just run the ball over and over and over again. It's like the mm-hmm. sports talk radio thing where you're like the caller calls in and you're like, no, 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 you can't do that. But with the Eagles, like, no, no, you actually can just do that when things aren't working hand the ball off. I mean, they had a drive at the end of that game. They take off nine minutes and 22 seconds at the end of the game. And like Eagles fans probably are just taking that for granted because that's what it's been like for two, three years there. That's uncommon to be able to uh, just do that. So yeah, I think that's a good call. That's something they're going to lean on and it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, how how much different does it look than kind of previous iterations of that rushing offense? Yeah. Ruben Frank, the three players with more 130-yard rushing games in a season are, are Stephen Buren, LaShawn McCoy, and Miles Sanders. But it's week three, and those guys yeah. did it over the course of a season. Swift is is presenting for the Eagles a more talented, bell, back with bell cow potential, back with, with three down, line share of the carries potential, than we've seen in quite a bit. Uh, and that is a scary thing. Because you're not supposed to have a Super Bowl offense and then trade a fourth-round pick three years in the future for a guy and have that be your only major addition and have the offense get dramatically better. Like, that's just annoying. That's so well done by Howie. You're not supposed to let Javon Hargrave walk for a $20 million contract, draft Jalen Carter, and then have Jalen Carter be second in the league in defensive tackle pressures only to Javon Hargrave. You're not supposed to be able to just do this. And the fact that the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and have just pretty quickly and pretty effectively plugged some major gaps and made some improvements at some weaker spots is impressive. They got injuries in the secondary. They got stuff to figure out in the passing game, but it's hard not to still feel arrow up about the Eagles. They're 3-0, and and they've barely looked like the juggernaut they were last season, so we know what it can look like. It's uh, it's uh, an impressive team. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back in a minute and get to my next take. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. All right, we are back on extra point taken. Benjamin, I have had enough of the Josh McDaniels Raiders experience. I I really don't need to see anymore. Now you're probably saying, Sheil, you had this take like the day he was hired. So what has changed? And have have had it uh, at least one episode (laughs) for every like six week period we've done this. I disagree. Although if someone wants to do EPT analytics and tell me which which topics we hit on uh, the most, but this is kind of me saying I'm just going to put a bow on it for the 2023 season. So there you go. You'll you'll be happy. I don't have to talk about this anymore. Guarantee we'll be talking about Josh McDaniels and the Raiders by Halloween. No question. (laughs) 
<laughs> on Sunday night, with all the nerds watching, the Raiders face a fourth and four from the Steelers' eight with 225 left. They're down eight points. Josh McDaniels sends out the field goal team. Uh, listen, I can give you all the nerd, you know, all the analytics, all the nerd. Like, the truth is, with a lot of that stuff, there's often a gray area where it's like, well, you should probably do X, but it's almost like a toss-up. This was not one of those. I mean, he cost them, uh, I think it was 5% in win probability, which is just a huge number for a decision that a coach makes in-game. I mean, think about if you could tell a coach during the week, hey, we can do something that gives you a 5% uh, greater chance at winning. I mean, they would be all over it. Yet, when it comes to an in-game decision like this, Josh McDaniels is not paying attention to that. And again, you don't need the numbers. Just use the common sense. I mean, is it more likely that you convert a fourth and four score touchdown and get a two-point conversion uh, to force overtime? Or is it more likely that you kick a field goal, stop the Steelers, get the ball back, and then score a touchdown? But you still needed a touchdown. I don't know if Josh McDaniels understood that or not. Like, you still needed to score a touchdown. It wasn't like, well, we'll kick again, stop them, and then kick a field goal. No, you're supposed to be an offensive guru. You don't trust your team, a team with Devontae Adams, who had, what, 13 catches for like 170. Imagine being Devontae Adams, Ben, in that spot. And like, it, it's fourth and four, game's on the line. You are just this like primetime player who comes up in big spots over and over again in your career. You kind of got screwed by going to the Raiders. They trade the quarterback you wanted. Come off the field. We're going to let this defense that has been like a bottom three defense for like a decade for the most part, and sucks this year and has no players on it, we're going to put the game in their hands to go out and get a stop. I mean, just a mind-boggling decision by Josh McDaniels. Not his first. I'm sure it won't be his last. Uh, according to Opta Stats, since the two-point conversion was adopted in 1994, the Raiders are the only NFL team to attempt a field goal in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter when down by exactly eight points and less than five yards to go for a first down or a touchdown. Ben, think of how many terrible coaches we've seen since 1994 making head-scratching, mind-boggling, in-game decisions. I mean, I've made part of my career about making fun of these people and writing about them on a weekly basis, and Josh McDaniels is the only person who made this decision. So that's the micro the macro is just like, this is, you know, now they got Garoppolo in the concussion protocol. This is such a rudderless team and a rudderless franchise. They're one and two. Uh, they don't have a long-term QB plan. They don't have good young talent on the roster. McDaniels is now 18 and 30 as an NFL head coach. They're seven and 13 in 20 games since he got hired. How about this? His win percentage with the Raiders is now worse than his win percentage was with the Broncos. Back in the day when that whole thing ended in complete disaster. So uh, I feel for, you know, Raiders fans. You got to watch this the rest of the season. And then what? What's the plan? There is no plan. So uh, I think Solak's right. Maybe I talk about Josh McDaniels and the Raiders too much. I'll put a moratorium on my McDaniels Raiders takes. I just had to get this one out there. Uh, I'm done with them. I'm done with the McDaniels Raiders era. Come up with something new. Come up with a plan because this is just a disaster. The best thing about McDaniels is trying to answer the question of like what he brings, right? Like, it, it, all right, like they throw the ball a lot to Devontae Adams. I agree. Like, and there are some coaches who don't do the obviously good thing. And so there's one moderately sized feather in Josh McDaniels' cap for being like, hey, Devontae is really good. I'm going to throw the ball to him a lot. I'm going to make sure we get it. We get him opened up. 
They ran the ball a lot with Josh Jacobs last year. Same kind of concept. He was really good back. You're running the football effectively. Like, don't fix what ain't broke. So McDaniels is good at, like, knowing where his bread is buttered, which I appreciate. But they can't get Jacobs working this year. They uh, have Devontae Adams. They have, like, uh, who like last season, like, I think people thought Devontae had, like, a down year. Devontae had one of his most productive years last season. They yeah. can't leverage that into winning performances. The offensive line play is is the rate have you ever like tried to figure out if the Raiders offensive line is good it's one of the most challenging things in the NFL like they play like two good games they're right they're good and they play one of the worst games you've ever seen like right they're bad and then the next week they're good they're like constantly all over the place there's no um uh consistency there's no rhythm right like I like I I look at the Texans offense and the Seahawks offense and the Vikings offense and just like like just all these other mid offenses across the course of the league I'm like okay I get what you're trying to do and with the Raiders it's just like I you just are hoping that Devontae saves you. You're just hoping that, that, that you throw the ball to Devontae enough that you score enough points to win. Like, there's no, uh, there's no creativity. There's no ingenuity. There's no direction. You said rudderless. It's exactly the right term. From a personnel perspective, they're exactly the same, right? Uh, uh, I don't know like, who have they added over the last couple of years besides Devontae. Again, that's kind of like uh, a change the course of the team that is really like, say, like, oh, like McDaniels can bring these guys in and make them work. Like, I think Jacoby Myers looks good. I also think the Jacoby, Jacoby Myers is not enough of a needle mover, right? Uh, there's a, a, a total lack of impact from the head coaching position. And if uh, there's positive impact, we know you're a very good coach. And if there's negative impact, we know you're a bad head coach, but at least you're trying something. It feels like there's just a zero impact. Like he's just there on the sideline, calling some plays, do a headset, and it turns out the Raiders are going to be six and 10 again this year. And why are we just pretending like that's okay? And why are we just going to let that keep happening? They're like egregiously worse head coaches, probably. And like, like, you know, when, when in your division, Nate Hackett is doing the rust thing. No, like last year when like All Nate right. Hackett's going on, okay. obviously like you kind of fly yeah. under the radar, but eventually it's kind of like, Oh, like every time you run a team, like it doesn't go well. So let's stop doing this. Like it, 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 it lacks punch. It lacks like, you know, wow, big explosive reveal, big, like, like this is the, like, Brandon Staley, the final straw. Like, there's so much to talk about, but it's just, okay, like, these teams, these, these teams that Josh McDaniels run tend not to perform very well. That's the long and the short of it. Yeah, I mean, he's won 37.5% of his game. So you're right. If you want to put that train wreck category below him, the Joe Judges, the uh, Nathaniel Hackett's, the Urban Myers of the world, I absolutely agree with that. But then when you get to that, next tier of these guys aren't really do it. I mean, I think he's in that tier right above it. I don't know that we've seen anything uh, to suggest, uh, suggest otherwise. At times you watch their offense and you go, all right, they're doing stuff. They're moving the football. They're putting up yards, but like that never like that. There's more to being a head coach as we've discussed many times than just doing that. And I don't see where he gives them an edge in any of the other stuff uh, beyond that. So there you go. All right. So hit me with your second take. All right. After week one, uh, you and I had a little bit of Seahawks panic. That's a big loss to the Rams. We're back, like baby. The way I felt. Take them to win the division. Uh, both starting tackles are down. I don't like the way I'm feeling in my tummy. Three weeks in? Why do we ever doubt Pete, baby? Trust the ship. Trust the man. Seahawks are back. Uh, consecutive 37-point performances uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, who in the last couple of weeks have beaten the Detroit Lions, and they've beaten the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Panthers are, are uh, uh, like far from like a complete team and a, and a dominant team. Obviously, Andy Dalton in made the offense a little bit more effective than when uh, Bryce Young was in. But that defense has still got some teeth. Like Even with their corner injuries, that was an impressive defense. They hung 37 on them. I think the Lions defense, like, 
I'm sure it looks like it's it's, it's pretty solid this year, right? Uh, 20 points to the Chiefs. They held the Falcons under 10 points. They put 37 on that team. Now took a pick six to get to overtime to win the game. And so again, like it's like Seahawks are far from perfect. It's not like they just beat, you know, the Buck, the Brady Patriots and the Mahomes Chiefs and whatever. Like there's still stuff to talk about, but the ship got quickly righted. Why? Firstly, Geno's playing some good football. All right. Geno Smith. I, like, I, I was surprised by the lack of questions coming into the season. I thought there'd be a lot more like, was Geno one year flashing the plan in the pan? Like, is this going to all fall apart? You saw a little bit of that, but not a lot. And I think that that was a, a good foresight by the football community. And Geno's paying us off right now by success where he's fifth by EPA. He's eighth. Uh, uh, by inaccurate pass percentage, he's fifth, right? One of the issues with Geno last year was sometimes he would spray, right? Sometimes he'd go a little bit wild. So far, playing a little bit more of a controlled game. His sack rate is down from last season, playing a little bit uh, better risk management. Uh, running game, I brought up the fact that the Eagles right now are record setting in terms of success rate. Guess who's winning in terms of expected points added? Guess who's winning in terms of ripping off explosive plays and, and getting key rushes on late downs, getting scores? That's the Seattle Seahawks right now. Lead the league in expected points added per rush. Kenneth Walker looking a lot like he ended last season on the ad. Zach Charbonnet, who had a great highlight run this week. But really, Walker, the guy, has impressed me with saying, you draft a second-round running back if you want. This is my job, and he can take it from me. Uh, Walker, I thought, has played very, very well. And then this offensive line, who uh, that first Rams game was really shaky, not just for the, the injuries at tackle, but I thought on the interior they played poorly. They've really settled in. Uh, you saw that Pete gave a big shout-out, I think, game balls to uh, – Stone Forsyth and Jake Curum, I think I'm saying his last name right, who are those uh, bookends now that are in, the, those two tackles that are holding the fort down, and doing so fairly well. Like, they've played acceptable football for your OT3 and your OT4 uh, through the last two weeks. So offensively, really feels like week one was a rust was a knock-the-rust-off situation. Defensively, team's got the juice a little bit, right? They gave up 31 to the Lions. They gave up 20 and then some garbage time to the Andy Dalton Panthers. It's kind of as we expected. This is going to be a high offense team and then a, a erratic defense team. But you see Devon Witherspoon right, get, get on the field. He's got 11 tackles. He's got two pass breakups. He gets called for a ticky-tack DPI. Pete's running down the field at 73 years old. Gum flying, headset moving. Like, they love this cat. Everybody's excited about the rookie. Reek's trying to come back from injury. Jamal Adams is potentially on his way back. They have some of the, the same fire they had last year, but they're far from a perfect unit. But they have playmakers, right? They have kind of the, the guys who can get them that one stop, guys who can make that key play. And they've been hurt. They're trying to bring that back. They need Dray- more from Draymond Jones. And the Bobby Wagner thing is just really rough. Like, Bobby cannot run right now. I do not know how much longer they're going to be able to put him out there and just be serious because, I mean, opposing teams are picking on him at this point. So they have defensive questions to answer. They always have. But Seahawks, man, we week one, it was, oh, and then week three, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> they're, they're not necessarily like going to steamroll the Niners like maybe we thought they were. The Niners look pretty good. Um, but they've righted the ship, and they feel a lot more like what we expected them to be coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, I that was my take after week one. It's like, I don't know how you survived this. Like we said, I think we said at the time, like how many teams, quarterbacks, offenses, whatever, lose both starting offensive tackles and can still have a functioning high-level offense. Their top five in success rate and EPA per drive through three weeks of the season. And they're like you said, they're playing with two backup offensive tackles. They had 27 first downs and 425 yards of offense on Sunday. That uh, I'm with you. That is really a credit to uh, not only the players who are coming in as backups, but the coaching. Hey, let's make sure we're developing them during the week. Let's mm-hmm. make sure we're putting them in position to succeed uh, on Sundays. I thought their run game, like that's a 
better than their run game to me has looked in a while with both uh, Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet. Shane Waldron, man, their OC. Shane's got the goods, dude. Shane, they they put Will Disley and Kobe Parkinson out on the field and they cook. And that's something to see. It's really cool. <laughs> that's something to say. Will Disley and Colby Parkinson and they cook. There you go. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's highly encouraging if you're a Seahawks fan, uh, if you're someone like me who picked them to do big things and then we're in full panic mode uh, after week one. I'm still not there with the defense. I think their defense is like a, they're their classic 2023 NFL defense where their performance is going to be a direct function of the team they're playing, in my opinion. Like they're playing a bad defense, a bad offense. Uh, they can hang in there and play okay. They're playing, I think, mediocre to above average offenses. Uh, they're still going to get covered. But I could be wrong because they have some younger players, like you mentioned, Witherspoon, uh, Reek Woolen coming back. Uh, if, if Adams is supposed to come back. So they have talent in the secondary, at least, and they have some talent uh, up front also. So maybe there's a higher ceiling. But man, it's been like five straight years of that being mostly a mediocre defense. I know you're not saying they're like elite or anything, and they don't have to be. I mean, the formula, if you have a top eight offense and like the 18th ranked defense, guess what? That plays. That gets you into the playoffs uh, most years. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's yeah. a good one. They've had two good back-to-back weeks. When I think about defenses, especially in the framework of playoff teams, I think about like, okay, can you just like win on the weekly because of your defense? And like, there's like three or four teams in the league that get that, right? Like the Browns are there right now. The Niners are there right now. The Patriots are like always there. Like just like, is your defense so good that you can just like win on the back of them? And then the next tier is like, okay, do you have the chance to stop an elite quarterback? Right? Like, can you get a game plan together and have enough talent that you can like actually hold an elite offense like under 30. And then that way your, your guys can score 30 and you can win a playoff game. Seahawks are probably not in that group yet. They're in the tier below, which is the like, do you have two dudes who are good enough playmakers and then get one stop so you can win a shootout, right? And that's what they have right now. Like, with Shannon Nwosu, Jordan Brooks, Adams Reek when they come back, Devon Witherspoon if he keeps doing this. Like, you have a guy who can third and six, huge pass breakup. You're getting the ball back down three. Like, that's what you want from your defense. If they can get from tier three into tier two, I believe it. But that's 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 the problem for them on defense right now is being less of like, a, woo, we made a play. And like, woo, we played a whole good game for four quarters. That's You kind of got to make yeah. that change. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. All right. Take number three for me, Benny Souls. You know what? This This might work out for the Bears. That's my take. Whoa! Whoa! What? <laughs> Jeff, what? <laughs> <We threw> it. <laughs> the Bears stink. The Bears had a miserable week last week. They, they we, we went over it on the Friday show. Then they go out. They lose 41-10 to the Chiefs. They don't look like a, an NFL franchise. Uh, their offense stinks. Their defense stinks. They're poorly coached. Yada, you know, we can go over uh, all of that. They have now lost 13 games in a row and been outscored by 190 points during that stretch. 80 points worse than any other team. Like, this is hard. This is a level yeah. of dysfunction and horrible play, horrible performance that is kind of hard to achieve uh, in the modern NFL. There really are pretty much no signs of hope. Wait a minute, Shield. Did I mishear what you said with your take? I thought you said this might work out with the Bears. Yes. So here's how it might work out, Benjamin. If the Bears were a middling team, if they were 7 and 10, 6 and 11, 8 and 9, where would that really have left them? I mean, you're probably talking about a scenario where you come back with Justin Fields, you come back with Matt Eberflus, you say, let's make some tweaks to the supporting cast. We'll get over the hump next year. We'll win nine games. We'll get into the playoffs. But if this team continues to suck, 
I think they might have a much clearer picture as an organization and it might be better for them long term. It's early. It's very early. We're three weeks in, but there are four 0-3 teams right now in the NFL. The Bears own the draft picks of two of those four 0-3 teams, their own and the Carolina Panthers because of that trade uh, last draft season. So there's a lot of football to be played. But a Bears fan, if you're saying this season sucks, uh, we're we're punching bags all over the place, there's no signs of hope. Like there's a scenario where you go into 2024 and we're talking about Caleb Williams throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. Or we're talking about Drake May being protected by Olufashanu, am I pronouncing that right? Penn State left oh, tackle. I think it's Olufashanu, but I don't. I'm not positive. You would know. You're the Penn State guy. I know. I should know. Listen, I should know. I'll learn it. I looked it up. You know, there should be better like name pronunciation stuff there. I th- I felt like I spent a nice three minutes on a Google search trying to figure it out. That's a bad job by me. I should have gotten it correct. I will get it correct. So I know it sucks, Bears fans, to have to sit through this season uh, week by week. I've said before, a lot of the fan experience is about enjoying those three hours on a Sunday. You are not enjoying your three hours on a Sunday at all. However, there could be sunnier days ahead. This could actually work out for you in the long run when you're talking about your next five, seven years of fandom there. All right. Did I convince you? You don't look convinced. I see that look on your face. So yeah, like in the sense that if you're super bad, then you get the best things possible to then become good. Like that, that but that's always true. Like I, I think if the Bears had ended up six and eleven, I think that they probably would have moved on from Fields anyway, because you had three seasons with Fields. Maybe not. I think like yeah, I think maybe if they ended up six and eleven, they would have done a third year of of Matt Eberflus. And you can argue that now, if the season goes the way it looks like it's going, they're going to do only two, and that's good. And like, sure, like you get a new guy in. Uh, we can go and look back at the history of Bears head coaching hires. I'm not sure Bears get new coach is actually good news. I think Bears get good coach get Bears get new coach might be same news, bad news, old news, right? Uh, like it's. It's not even like a grass is always greener phenomenon because clearly the grass is greener on the other side of whatever this bear season is. But it's the idea. It's the um. It's like the mystery box thing. It, you, uh, there's a Family Guy clip of uh, 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 Peter Griffin's getting offered a boat or a mystery box, and he's really tempted to take the mystery box. And his wife Lois is like, Peter, like we, let's take the boat. Like, don't take the mystery box. And Peter goes, but a mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. Your your top picks can turn into a very highly drafted quarterback, just like they did a few years ago when they became Justin Fields, and just like they did a few years before that when they became Mitchell Trubisky. But but new first-round picks, new top picks, could be anything. They could even be a franchise quarterback. So yeah, but you've done this. You know, you, you, We've been here. So it is good. Like it, it, if, if, if this causes the Bears to blow it up and get and strip it down to the, 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 the studs and go back to brass tacks, like that is good. But it's still like just utter organizational failure round two, and that's just from the football perspective. Like, I don't. I, I, it's very hard to be like, but the sun's shining, Chicago. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's it's cloudy. It's very sad. It gives you it, it. It it will offer you wanted some clarity this season, one way or the other, and it looks like you're going to get some clarity from the keeping. Now, you're right. From the top down, they're kind of a dumpster fire, so there's no guarantee that it's going to go well. Uh, in the future, but at least it looks like you're going to get some clarity. Now, again, three weeks in, maybe it flips. Maybe they reach the mediocre stage. I don't know. Where are you? Uh, what What do the next three years of Justin Fields in the NFL and beyond look like to you? Because you 
are a fields guy? Yeah. Do you still believe? Are you saying, oh, all right, I'm kind of changing my tune. Where are you with fields uh, here three weeks into the season? I, I, he's got to take a Mariota career arc, right? I mean, it's it, it he has he is, should go be a backup somewhere and a backup somewhere where like there's a coach who's actually interested in using his physical tools. And that's the thing is like fields didn't develop over three years. And there's a ton of different reasons for that. Uh, offensive line playing, wide receiver playing, scheme and whatever. But fundamentally, like, he didn't get better, right? And and so it's very hard to say, all right, like put Field somewhere else and he'll be able to start because like he's just going to continue to make the same mistakes. And there's a chance that a different coaching staff and, and a better environment will help him learn from them, learn from his mistakes and improve his mistakes. But typically, we just don't see that really happen in like the fourth, fifth, sixth year of a player's career, right? Like you can make a Geno argument, but even then, like I think Geno is playing better in the mid 2010s and Fields is playing right now. So you have to go be a backup somewhere. What about Daniel Jones? I feel like Daniel Jones is like the best, uh, it feels weird to say, but it's almost like a best case scenario. Like Daniel Jones, if you look at it, everything statistically, the first three years of his career, you were like players in this bucket have no chance of even salvaging an NFL career. Now I'm not telling you Daniel Jones is like a, you know, a top five quarterback or anything like that, but he got a big contract. He quarterbacked a playoff team. Uh, he quarterbacked the top 10 offense last year. That to me, and, and you're right. It might not, it wouldn't happen in Chicago. It, it might not happen right away. It might lead to a backup, but I feel like that would be the comp. Now Jones was the exception. So you're, you're right. You're, you're counting on fields to be the exception. If you still believe in him, uh, because everything else would tell you that typically somebody with this start to their career, uh, it doesn't turn around and they don't really end up salvaging it. It's like, I agree with you. Uh, the Daniel Jones comparison, here's why it's tricky because a, the giants just gave Daniel Jones, $40 million. So it, it creates an expectation where like, oh, Fields could go earn a big second contract, which I don't think is true. And also, Daniel Jones is currently a starter. And I think that sets the expectation that Daniel Jones is like a starting caliber quarterback. And that's true in the sense that there's only 32 starting jobs. I don't know if it's exactly the wagon you want to hit your horse to, right? And so like, I think you could experience a Daniel Jones bump if he got hitched uh, with, with a guy like Brian Dable with an offensive coordinator like Mike Kafka, who's you know, jack up the run rate. We're going to go multiple tight ends, right? We're going to find creative ways to use you as a scrambler in designed and then use you in design runs. But I think that the Giants are going to reach the end of that rope and realize they don't want to be there. And so even if Fields gets like a Daniel Jones moment, I don't think it's overall going to be like, and now Daniel Jones starts until he's 35. Or now now Justin Fields starts until he's 35. Like, I don't think that'll actually have like a huge long-term impact for Fields. I think Fields can absolutely have a Jacoby Brissett Marcus Mariota caliber career where it's like bouncing around as a veteran free agent quarterback who like when you put him out there, the sort of offense that you run is really obvious and can work like it can work for a stretch. Just you have to be a good coordinator. Like you have to be able to calibrate the offense to the guy's skill set, which fields is in in is 40 something. Oh, no, he's in his high 30 career start, right? Like he's, he's reaching nearly 40 career starts. He has not once played an offense that's calibrated for him. Like even like when the Bears were kind of good last season at like doing quarterback run stuff, even then they were still like grafting it into their existing structure. He is is Fields has taken zero snaps in the NFL in an offense that's built for him, and that's why like it's very hard to shake him. It's very hard to be like it's done for sure. I think he's going to stick in the, the league for a while as a backup. How good he is when he gets on the field as a backup is conditional on the guy calling plays for him. KC, Buffalo, 
yeah, if you're if you're his agent, it's like let's just get you to uh, get you to a co- coordinator or a coach who we think is good. Uh, we'll be a backup. Let's kind of rebuild this thing and see where we go from there. All right, let's take one more break. We'll come back and get to Solak's third take. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, we are back on Extra Point Taken. Benny Souls, what do you got for your third take? The third and final take is this. Oh, wow, Mike McCarthy's causing problems in the Cowboys offense. Who can see this coming? Oh, this is so crazy. Wow, what are we going to do? All right. (laughs) <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys lost the Arizona Cardinals, which is bad. You're not supposed to do that as 12 and a half point favorites. Shields, as uh, uh, you brought up on Philly Special, the pod we recorded last night, uh, this is only the second time in the last two years that a favorite of such a high margin has outright lost the game. So what happened? A few things. Um, the offensive line injuries really make it tough, right? Uh, they didn't have the ability, I think, to call as many plays just as they wanted to because they were worried about those guys. You heard them make some comments about that. McCarthy said he needs to do a better job getting uh, the team prepared to deal with injuries, which as a guy who's been a head coach for 20 years, you kind of assume he's a little bit ready for that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you have, uh, uh, I think, a uh, Trayvon Diggs practice injury that kind of exposes uh, uh, your, your corner depth a little bit. What are you going to do about that? Corner depth is really hard to come by. You're going to have to put Gilmore out there and ask him to be a star dude. Deron Bland's going to experience playing on the outside now a little bit. You're going to try some stuff. It's okay to struggle with that in week one. So there's some mitigating stuff. You also have six points on four red zone drives in the entire second half, okay? The Cowboys went into the halftime locker room down 21 to 10. They're they're down 11 points. They had four drives in the second half. All of them went in the red zone. They lost by 12. They lost by more points than they were losing by after going to the red zone at every drive. That's not... You can't do it. That's not good. It's been... It, I was trying to get StatHead to tell me exactly how rare that is in the NFL. And either I don't know how to use StatHead or it's like never happened. I think it has happened. So I just think I'm just using StatHead wrong. But it is, it is I promise you, a very irregular occurrence. So uh, red zone woes kind of uh, 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 kept a little bit quiet from, okay, the, the Giants game, big defensive blowout, the Jets game, they're controlling the, 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 the game, it's Zach Wilson, whatever. Right now in the season, the Cowboys have scored a touchdown on 40% of their red zone drives. That is tied for 27th in the league with the New Orleans Saints and the New York Jets. That is not where you want to be. They have scored 
on 86.7% of their red zone drives. That's touchdown plus field goals. That's at 21%, uh, 21, 21th in the league, 21st, 21th, 21st. This is uh, a direct result of losing Kellen Moore. Last year, the, the, the Cowboys led the league in red zone touchdown percentage. And Kellen Moore, who is a, a great red zone designer, they were perennially top 10, was a huge part of that. The other guy who was a part of that is Ezekiel Elliott. There's a nice familiar Zeke button you can press when you have him on the depth chart because Tony Pollard, who's a great back, and I like Tony Pollard a lot, is not a between-the-tackle thumper. It's not a put-your-nose-down, turn a one-yard gain into a two-yard gain, two-yard into four, four-yard into six. Like that's, that, that is not Tony's game. That was always Zeke's game. They lose him, and all of a sudden in the red zone, Rico Doddle's just getting carry and pass catch and everything. And they're trying to make Rico Doddle into this player, and Rico's just not the same guy that Zeke was. So the, the, the departures... The absences are, are a big part of this change. But when you go and you look at McCarthy's red zone performance, especially down the end of his career in Green Bay, uh, over the last six seasons in Green Bay, the Packers were averaging uh, it was 57% touchdown uh, when they were in the red zone. And that would rank so far this year about middle of the pack. Last year would have ranked a little bit below average. McCarthy's offenses tend to move the ball down the field very effectively, and then they get to the red zone and they lose creativity and they, and they lose muster. It's the thing that's been known about him over the course of his career. Through three games, the Cowboys have that issue. And I think, you know, Dak had a quote where he was like, I need to make some throws and maybe also make some plays with my feet. And if the quarterback in week three is saying, like, maybe I need to scramble more in the red zone, I don't, I really don't like that. That to me is like a little bit alarm belly. We're like, Reds, I don't want scrambles in the red zone. Like, uh, like when quarterbacks make good scramble plays in the red zone, that's awesome. But that's generally you don't want like let's make some stuff happen. So there's no space. There's no room. Right. You can't have like a legitimate scramble drill where like some guy goes deep and some guy goes intermediate. Like you just don't have the 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 area for it. You want to be making quick, decisive, effective plays. And and you go and you watch the film and they're they're trying to run gadgety stuff and they're trying to run running back swing stuff and they got some option stuff and like I said, they're trying to get Dowdle active and like. It it seems like it's correct, but the the uh, effectiveness, the the execution is terrible. Maybe the offensive line comes in and improves it. I think the fact that they can't get CD Lamb a target in the red zone is astonishing. This is a guy that you're planning to pay twenty million dollars per year in the future. You won't just put him on a slant and beat a guy one on one. You got to be with Keetro Clark and Marco Wilson. Like I, I it, it is it was a frustrating watch to watch that Cowboys red zone uh, 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 drives against the Cardinals. It's the reason why they lost. And like two weeks into the season, the Cowboys are killing it. Everybody's like, Mike McCarthy, baby. So good. Look at this offense. Why were we worried? This is why we were worried, man. Because there's stuff in this guy's offense that just perennially breaks. And this, I think, is one of those things. The number's going to get better. They're going to settle in. They're talented. The offensive line's going to help. But the Cowboys were a top-scoring team in the red zone last year. And I doubt they're going to be such a thing this year. And it takes the wind out of their sails in these games that it feels like they should be able to win. All right, I have to do a classic Shield question for you. Who who was saying that? Who who were these Mike McCarthy defenders uh, out there? Oh my goodness. Everyone in my orbit is just constantly making fun of Mike McCarthy. So maybe I don't look at. You don't have to name. He's good. What are you? What could you possibly Google it? Be googling Mike McCarthy defenders week two. What is what is this search? And you don't have to just call people out. Now I feel like you're going to get me in trouble. You have to be well, all these all these. <laughs> The headlines are from one day ago and it goes after the Cardinals loss. I promise you they existed. Wait, I need to know what were your actual, did you just Google Mike McCarthy, like Google news? Mike McCarthy, Prescott Cowboys. And then I went to news and now I'm scrolling. <laughs> I'm just trying to learn tips. I'm an old guy who wants to navigate the, uh, the internet better. So you're helping me there. Uh, I would love to know. I, I, I would love to read like a study on red zone efficiency 
and whether it's like play call, like in my head, I'm kind of like the quarterback has to take like more of the uh, responsibility in the red zone, but I could be totally wrong on that. In my head, I'm like the great quarterbacks, their red zone offenses are always good. They're willing to fit the ball into tight windows. They know when to take a risk, uh, when to not take a risk, not to say coaching doesn't matter. I think coaching does matter. Uh, I think if I were Mike McCarthy's agent or his wonderful PR team, which I've given a shout out to uh, many a time for helping him get hired there in Dallas, I would say, Ben, the, the, they had, Three backup offensive linemen in there. It's not just losing Zeke. How are you going to run the ball with three backup offensive linemen? By the way, yeah, they had red zone issues. Uh, they gave up 400 yards, the defense, to Joshua Dobbs. You know, they they allowed the Cardinals to run for 222 yards. I wouldn't say that this is, you know, Mike McCarthy and the red zone is the only thing that cost them this game. This was just a simple week three. Everything that can go wrong does go wrong. It's okay. Those things happen early in the season. They're going to be fine. That would be my Mike McCarthy. So all those people who you said defend Mike McCarthy, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and tell you what they would say. How would you respond? I would say that Aaron Rodgers became one of the most effective red zone quarterbacks in the league the year Mike McCarthy left. Okay. All right. I mean, that's what is one example, but it could be true. I'm not saying I know one way or the other. I'm just asking. I bet you it's one of those things that on a league wide perspective is pretty noisy. But from a, we've seen Mike McCarthy head coach and offense since 2006, I feel like I kind of know what yeah, I'm seeing. Yeah, there's a lot of data perspective. There. And early in his career, they were better, right? And like, this was like prime Rodgers. And so they, they, were, they, were, they were strong. When the McCarthy offense really started to lose the wind in its sails, like down the end of his career, they dropped in efficiency between the 20s, but they really started to struggle inside the 20s. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, looking at, at Kellen Moore seasons, they were 71.4% last year. Like I said, that led the league in 2022. In 2021, they were at 63.1% touchdown perspective. In 2019, they were 574 which is, again, that's a that's right about that average that McCarthy was. You can say, okay, like, if McCarthy gives them that average, then there'll be this. And then in 2020, they were really low, but the Cowboys were just generally terrible that year. That was the COVID year. Like That was a horrible season for them. Right now, they're at 40%. Like, again, that number is going to get better. I don't think it's going to reach Kellen Moore numbers. I certainly don't think it's going to reach... Zeke numbers. I think that's a big issue as well. And that's going to limit this team if they can't solve the red zone problems. Throw it to CD Lamb. Put him on a slant. Let's do it. Yeah, my non-Mike McCarthy defender thing agrees with uh, pretty much. I mean, they weren't prepared for that that game. I mean, they, they went in 13 penalties for 107 yards. Like, again, it's so rare for a team to be 12 and a half point favorites and to lose. It only happened once all of last season. Like, that could be the biggest upset we see the entire year. And so now he took over the offense. The offense is stalling, like you mentioned, uh, in the red zone. Three drives inside the Arizona 10 with one field, go field goal in the second half. Four drives overall. It's not even just the red zone. They're inside the 10 four times and got two field goals. So, uh, they found a Way to navigate that and move the football for the most part but uh yeah there, there's no doubt about it that he deserves some heat for that performance and then you look at what the chargers are doing i know the chargers are only one and two but if you just isolate the chargers offense the chargers offense has been you know they're top five in pretty much every statistical category through the first three weeks of the season and you thought no we can do a better job mike mccarthy and brian schottenheimer than kellen moore did that's the move we're good that's our big play this offseason I don't know. I think they're still a very good team. I, I don't know, They're brother. still going to be there at the end. But uh, the, unlike the Josh McDaniels conversation, this is not the last time we're going to be talking about Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys on extra point taken. All right. Speaking of stuff we've talked about before, I'm on the hook for the extra point. All right. So 
we did the show after Aaron Rodgers went down. Uh, and I said, you know what? They got to do something. And now I'm just begging. I am begging you, <laughs> Joe Douglas, Woody Johnson, anyone with any sway in that organization, I am begging you to do something. The Jets lost 15-10 to the Patriots on Sunday. They scored one touchdown. Their first red zone snap came with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. The offense also gave the Patriots points. They took a safety there in the second half. It was a bottom five offensive performance uh, on the season, league-wide, according to all the nerd stats. Through three games, they are last in EPA per drive. They have the worst offense in the NFL. And you watch that game, and you look at it, and you said they just need one play here. They put together one drive in the second half. You say the defense forces six straight punts to end that game. Think about that. You're a defensive player on that Jets team. You force six straight punts to end the game and your offense still cannot do enough. How are you supposed to be invested in the rest of the season and believe that your team has a chance to win? You cannot keep doing this with Zach Wilson. It's not fair to the rest of the team. It's not fair to the coaches. It's not fair to the fans. It's not fair to me as a podcaster who has to watch all these games every week. I don't want and to watch. And that's the important that's part. The important you really buried one. the lead that's there. That's the important one. I don't like this. Yeah, I don't like it. Ben does. I know Ben doesn't like it. We don't like it. We don't want to watch this. Now, everything I read or hear out of Florham Park, New Jersey, is that the Jets aren't going to do anything. That everyone calm down. They got no options. They can't do anything. Quarterbacks don't get moved in the middle of the season. I understand all that. Guess what? This has to be the exception. Think of the best run teams in the NFL. You, you can name whoever you want. Picture them in your head. I'll pick a couple out uh, in the NFC. You think the Eagles or the 49ers in this situation, would just say, we're going to throw our season away and let Zach Wilson be the quarterback and we're going to win. Uh, we're going to win. Uh, they would be called. They would not be sleeping. They would be calling every single team in the NFL. They would be scouting every backup quarterback in the NFL, every third stringer, every XFLer, every USFLer, every CFL. I don't care who. They would be turning over every single rock to find an upgrade at quarterback. You don't just sit there and say, we got screwed. It's a bad situation. Now we're throwing our season away. I mean, this is what the money is for to deal with these difficult situations. Call the Vikings. Make them an offer they can't refuse for Kirk freaking Cousins, who I've somehow turned into like uh, Joe Montana at this point with all the times I'm endorsing. I'm, I am so positive they'd win the Super Bowl with Kirk. I like I'm I'm so Super Bowl. I'm so fully there. It's not even funny. Every Vikings loss, I'm like we're one step closer to Kirk on the Jets, baby. I'm so excited. Call. Anybody, I know it's hard to develop chemistry and new offensive line, a new scheme. Guess what? It literally cannot be any worse than what it is right now. It is organizational malpractice to sit there and just keep throwing Zach Wilson out there Sunday after Sunday. Do something now. I am begging you, Joe Douglas, Woody Johnson, whoever else, do something now before it's too late and you've thrown your season away. So there you go. That felt good. I 
could not like I, I could not possibly agree more. This was I wrote about it for the Hot Reading Week two. I did a bit last year on the play sheet where Robert Sala does these press conferences. I'm probably gonna do it again at some point. But I I I legitimately love Sala. I love his defense. I love what he thinks about football. I I I, I he's a dude from Dearborn, Michigan, Northern Michigan Wildcat. Mm. He's a I'm a Michigan man now. Like this, I love Sala. This is ridiculous. Just like there's there's good lying as a coach where you like say things at at a at a, a press conference, say things behind a mic that like you know people aren't gonna believe and you know people are gonna see through, but it's for the team or it's for a guy or it's for the organization, and it like makes like I, I can get why you're doing it. And then there's just whatever the Jets think giving confidence to Zach Wilson is. And it's just, I, I, I like the, the framework you used there that was so important. If I were a defensive player, I would be livid. Imagine if Jamal Adams were still on this team. Imagine if they had like a veteran defensive leader who'd been around the league for a long time, all with New York, right? Because they have like guys who are vets, but like DJ Reed joined the team and John Fickle Myers joined the team and Solomon Thomas joined the team. They haven't had like a homegrown defensive guy who just like, you know, Quinn and Williams. For a while. How about that? What's he thinking? I, Eh, he Clint, just made Clint a lot of money. Years old. Yeah, he's yeah. Hanging, he's living a great life. <laughs> um, yeah, but like CJ Mosley, Quan Alexander, yeah, Quinn is twenty five. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we had a guy in the building who was thirty, who's just been there for a while, and just sit, sit there and say, "Hey, like, knock down Salah's door and be like, listen, like, I'm not coming in here like tell you how to do your job. Like, I'm pissed, but like, I'm not gonna like, you know, be like just like dropping quotes or screaming at coaches or whatever. Like, I'm here to talk to you. Like, you're gonna lose the guys." <laughs> If you keep on getting up there and saying, we're just going to keep running with him because we don't like fault. this. I mean, Sala would absolutely, he's probably like, please give me somebody else. But what's he supposed to say? He's gotten literally nobody else on the roster. I don't think it's on him. Uh, so I agree, right? Like I said, like I love Robert Sala. I think Jets fans listening will know my opinions on Joe Douglas, my general opinions on Joe Douglas. I, 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 he built the defensive line great. Like he did a lot of like the Eagles approach, but the quarterback situation has been really, really bad. Um, with that said, like it for Sala's sake, you got to get behind the mic and get a little spicy with it to put some more pressure on Joe Douglas to make a change. Mm. What are you? You can't. You are. You 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 are going to piss someone off when you get up there. It's either your entire defensive room or it's the GM. And like I get that, like you've hitched your wagon, you've hitched your career to the GM and like job security, whatever. But you're going to lose too many games to hold on to the job if you don't start really stoking the fire for a quarterback change. And that's why, like, it's uh, someone's got to get spicy. If it's Sala, if it's Quinnen, if it, I, Garrett Wilson, Michael Carter's yelling at his running backs coach on the sideline, someone's got to like, someone's got to get this thing moving. Because if they do Zach Wilson and they go through the trade deadline, I will, I will be uh, the the pod after the trade deadline. If they don't get a different quarterback than Zach Wilson, will be get it will get me fired. I will be so angry. So I, that's that's the only thing I'm trying to avoid for the next month, month and a half. I love I love the cousins idea, but honestly, at this point, take a swing on anybody. I don't care. Bring in three guys. Did you see the Matt Ryan rumor? But then, and what Matt Ryan said he what isn't interested or something. But then there was a report so, that he reached out. It's like a classic like coach who yeah. pulls his name out of the you know I'm not he's not interested anymore. Oh, he didn't get the job. Is it, is that what's happening here? So it's it's a you know what it is. It's a classic Matt Ryan veteran move. Matt Ryan is with CBS Sports. The Jay Glazer with Fox reports that that Matt Ryan and Wentz reached out to the Jets. And then Matt Ryan gets asked about it in CBS and he goes, I didn't reach out to the Jets. I love working here at CBS. I'm not interested in that at this time. 
but my agent, Todd France, he's a great agent. He's a really good agent. I, I know he's constantly working the phones and just checking on stuff and stuff. But that's exactly what he said. He was like, me? I would not reach out to the Jets. I love working for CBS Sports. The man who represents me professionally in my football playing career, he might have done something. Who could say? But good work by Matt. That's exactly how you do it, buddy. Um, so like that, that Matt Ryan report tickled me greatly because of how well Matt played it. Matt had a tough season with the Colts. I think Matt's best years are behind him. I would bring Wentz in. I would bring anybody in. Just that it's not Zach Wilson playing. Legitimately, I would bring Wentz in. I would feel good about it. That's how sicko and distorted this, this, this uh, circumstance is at this point. I don't disagree with that. Literally any, I, I am at literally anybody right now. Maybe they inject, like this, to, again, this does not have to be a great player. This needs to be someone who gives you a chance to score uh, more than 10 points in a game to win a game where your defense is f- forces six straight punts. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. I just like, I, I don't know how you can do it, how you can just play this guy week in and week out and feel like it's the right thing to do. Uh, Salah did, last thing, Salah did stumble a little bit in his post-game press conference this week where he didn't quite get to what you're yep. saying he should have done, but it was a little bit like, eh, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say here. This kind of sucks. Last last year, he said on like November 6th, Zach Wilson's our starter. And on like November 22nd was like, I won't commit Zach's our starter. And he's on the exact same time frame this time around. Where like two weeks ago, he was like, <laughs> Zach's our guy. And then two weeks later, he's like, Anyone could be our guy. Why do you keep doing this yourself, man? Get something. I I want, before we record Friday, I want the Jets to have another quarterback in the building. Please do something. I'm begging you. I'm not even a Jets fan, and I'm begging you. All right. That'll do it for this edition of Extra Point Taken. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Christopher Sutton. Great producer. All-time producer for producing. Thanks to Eduardo Ocampo for the video production. You can find those videos on the Ringer NFL social media channels, on Solax TikTok, on my Instagram, wherever. If you want to see a little video, some of these clips, you can find those there. Eduardo does a great job of putting those together. Additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Next episode will be Nora and Steven. And then Solak and I will be back on Friday. Thanks to everyone for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. 
True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 